Everything about Blue Dick Calmer said he was about to do something illegal. He slunk along Thames Street in a way that could only be described as furtive, stopping every so often to duck into a doorway or lurk behind a stationary cart. Then he would peer back the way he had come to see whether he was being followed. Thomas Challoner, spy for the Earl of Clarendon, was better able than most to melt invisibly into a crowd. But even he was struggling to stay out of sight. Unfortunately, the man who had been assigned to work with him that day was worse than hopeless, and Challoner thought Blue Dick would have to be blind not to know Humphrey Lee was on his tail. "'I'm getting tired of this,' grumbled Lee, as Challoner hauled him out of sight behind a dray. He staggered slightly. Challoner's exasperation with Lee's ineptitude, as well as their quarry's antics, had made him heavy-handed. "'We do not even know what he is supposed to have done!' Lee was the Earl's sergeant-at-arms, a small, trim, truculent martinet, who had seen fit to wear an eye-catching scarlet coat that day. It was a spectacularly inappropriate choice of garment for surveillance work, and Challoner could only suppose he was new to the business. Challoner's own clothes were an unmemorable shade of grey, and his brown hair was tucked under a nondescript wig. He had learned years before that intelligencers tended to live longer if no one noticed them, and he attributed reaching the grand old age of thirty-four to having perfected the art of ordinariness. "'Well?' demanded Lee irritably, while they waited for their target to begin moving again. "'Why did our Earl order us to follow him? "'It is a filthy morning, not fit for a dog to be out.' Lee was right about the weather. It was one of those dark, dreary, dank days Challoner had come to associate with London. The sky was an unbroken dome of grey, and drizzle fell in a misty pall. It was cold, too, and the shallower puddles were turning to ice around the edges. I imagine because he was one of William Dowsing's cronies. Challoner saw Lee's blank look and elaborated. Dowsing was the man appointed by Oliver Cromwell to destroy images of... Oh, that Dowsing, interrupted Lee. The iconoclast who ruined our best churches by knocking the heads off statues, slashing paintings and setting fire to altar rails and pulpits. Challoner nodded. Blue Dick was responsible for despoiling Canterbury Cathedral. Was he, by God? Lee's eyes flashed with righteous indignation. Then why are we skulking behind him? We should be chopping off his villainous hands, damned fanatic! Challoner also deplored what Dowsing and his zealous comrades had done, but there was no time to discuss the matter, because their target was on the move again. Challoner began to follow, indicating with a wave of his hand that Lee was to cross the street. Lee either did not see the gesture or chose to ignore it, because he fell into step at Challoner's side instead. "'I know the iconoclasts have not plied their nasty trade in years, but they still deserve to hang,' he declared. "'So why does the Earl not order Blue Dick's arrest? "'Is it because he is a vicar? 
The Earl did not say, replied Chaloner shortly, wishing Lee would shut up and concentrate on the task in hand. The road was busy, and they would lose their quarry if they did not pay attention. I would arrest him, if I were the Earl, Lee went on, worrying at the subject like a dog with a bone. Fanatics should not be allowed to wander around London as they please. It's not right. Chaloner was spared from having to comment, because Blue Dick had turned into Fish Street Hill, a wide thoroughfare with Leadenhall Market at one end and London Bridge at the other. The noise there was deafening, traders yelling, iron-shod wheels rattling on cobbles, and above it all, the river roaring under the bridge like a never-ending roll of thunder. The racket was amplified by the tall houses that lined either side of the road. 